So welcome back. Welcome those of you that are online watching. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here, my wife and I, and we're so privileged to be part of this team. And I'm going to be continuing our sermon series from the uh, beginning of the book of the Revelation, and that is uh, the letters to the seven churches. And uh, one of the most important verses in the book of Revelation is the very first verse. And if we want to understand, a lot of you, anyone besides me have a hard time sometimes understanding Revelation, or are you all experts out there? And the ones that aren't raising your hand, are you still here? Are you listening? Okay. But the very first verse gives us a lot of insight into how to understand this book. And so I'm going to read it out loud here. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. It says this, The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's almost all you know to really understand this book and what the purpose and understanding and, and how to find the meaning uh, in this book. It's not meant to be a predictive book about the apocalypse. Okay, In fact, the apocalypse has been stolen, the name, because it's uh, actually uh, an anglicized version of the Greek word which is translated revelation. And revelation basically means an unveiling, pulling back the curtain. The apocalypse means pulling back the curtain to see what's really happening. And there is a spiritual dimension that we do not see in our day-to-day -day living, generally speaking, and that is because we are just seeing with our natural eyes. But the Apostle Paul, uh, in, his, uh, in his letters, he said, listen, I don't necessarily focus on the things I can see because the things I can see are temporary. But that which is spiritual is eternal. And some people contrast spiritual from uh, real or actual. And actually, the truth is, the spiritual is eternal. That which is seen, the natural, is temporary. And so it's good for us to focus on the things that are particularly unseen. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ. And that gives us a foundation uh, understanding of this book, the Revelation. You notice I haven't said Revelations yet, uh, because the book is the book of Revelation, and uh, it is uh, it is an awesome book. Now we are looking at the uh, the first few chapters here in this series, and uh, you know Pastor Matt's done a masterful job uh, in teaching and preaching about uh, some of the churches. Um, and uh, today is our second last one, and God willing, next week, excuse me, God willing, next week he'll close off the, the sermon series. But Revelation 1, verse 10, and you can see a graphic probably behind me. There's a map with uh, the seven churches that Jesus is actually addressing here at the beginning of this book. Suddenly, in verse 10 of Revelation chapter 1, suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And I always like to 
do a loud voice with a trumpet blast at this point, but I won't because I don't want to, you know, disturb your sleep. Just kidding. Uh, it said this loud voice. Heaven is noisy. It's weird. Uh, if you read this book, you'll see all kinds of things. You know, angels covered with eyes. And it, it's just amazing the different things you can see in here. And here's another one of those uncomfortable spots where, you know, Jesus appears uh, with, you know, fire eyes and white hair, you know, brass feet, stars in his hand, and a trumpet blast. And he says, in a, in a book, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And those are the seven churches. Today we're going to be talking about Philadelphia. And I want to talk about Philadelphia in a moment. Then we're going to read the scriptures. Then I've got my message, <laughs> which will be the shortest part of this thing probably. And then, and then we're going to have communion after. All right. So I'm, let's pray right now, if we could, please. Heavenly Father, we understand this is a spiritual book. The whole Bible is. And we want to understand with our hearts, God, would you teach us today? In Jesus' name, amen. You may, uh, if you haven't been familiar with this particular chapter, maybe you're here as a guest or you're watching online as a guest and you've heard of Philadelphia. And there's a city in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, and it's famous for uh, Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. And you need to know that they were invented in Philadelphia, but they didn't start off with cheese. And they didn't start off with green peppers. They, it was meat and onions in a hot dog bun. Some hot dog vendor decided that he'd give this a try, and it just took off. And so they were, uh, they, it didn't start off as a Philly cheesesteak, but I like Philly cheesesteak. If you ever want to bring me one, I'm okay with that. Um, now you're hungry? Good. That's good. That'll, that'll keep us uh, slightly awake. The city was founded in 1682. The city was founded, and it, it hosted the first two continental congresses in the states. So you can see the li liter uh, Liberty Bell there. And it was uh, one of the most amazing poor quality bells ever. The first time they rang it, it cracked, uh, but they still have it. They call it the Liberty Bell. And... Um, there's, there's five uh, sports teams there, and I wanna, I wanna, I'm leading up to something, okay? And by the way, cream cheese was not invented in Philadelphia. <laughs> this is way too much information about Philadelphia, and we're going to get into the word shortly here. But I want to I quote uh, the quarterback of the, of the Philadelphia Eagles, but I did want to give a mention, honorable mention to the other teams there because, you know, the Phillies... We're in the World Series, which is amazing. The Flyers have a win winning record if you're a hockey. Any hockey fans in the room here? Uh, 76ers, if you're a basketball fan, uh, they're not doing too good this year. Uh, the Philadelphia Union, I'm not a soccer fan, but it is the, most, uh, the biggest football sport in the world. And they went to the MLS final, and they lost in what would be called overtime in any other sport, but it's in, it, it was in, the, what, uh, kicks, right, penalty kicks after a 3-3 draw. Uh, but the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles are the only NFL team, and I'm going to start smiling now because I'm an NFL fan. And the, uh, the, the Eagles are the only undefeated team right now this year. They're 8-0. Uh, 
Uh, they play tomorrow night. Uh, but their quarterback, I want to read what he has to say. Their quarterback, he is uh, currently ranked third in the league. And he said this, and I think it's important. I've just matured, he says, and realized that God is everything. He said in a recent interview with CBS Sports, God is worthy of praise. You have to put him at the center of everything that you do. That's what I believe. Come on. Come on. Yeah. So these young guys, they're, uh, they're doing well, and a lot of them are glorifying, trying to glorify God the best they can. Sometimes it's, it's a little uh, out, of, out of the box, but it's good. So now back to the scriptures. Philadelphia in the Bible was a real place as well. And the word Philadelphia is taken from some Greek words, and it means the city of brotherly love. And that's, that's what it means. And so someone, in, when they started Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they were thinking, well, we, we all got to get along here. We all got to love each other. But in uh, 189 B.C., a fellow named Eumenes, uh, he founded the city, and he really loved his brother. So he named it the city of brotherly love. And that's, that's, where, that's how it started. Philadelphia in the Bible days, it was, uh, it was known for a variety of temples and worship centers. Um, and the pillars, there's, it's interesting, in, in Philadelphia there was a lot of temples. And, and in the temples, they would put, if, if people got, you know, wanted to be, if they wanted to honor somebody, they would often, they would, instead of doing a statue for them, they would do a pillar inside the temple. The different, the different pagan temples, and they'd put this pillar up, and they put his name on there, or her name, and what they were famous for, and what they were being honored for. And so people that lived in Philadelphia, they knew about pillars. This is brilliant, by the way. This is Jesus being relevant and brilliant, and we're going to be showing that in just a moment. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, this going on. The city was plagued by earthquakes, and apparently people... A lot of times, people would move out of the city when the, the tremors would come, just in case uh, something would fall on their head. And so they'd go out and live outside of town, sort of in tents and different places, shacks, wherever they could find, whatever they had. And it was only the, what, they, what they, they thought they were the people that were mad, like really crazy, that people that stayed in town during those tremors because things started falling apart. And, and so people would go out of town, and then when the tremors were done, then they would come back in, and they would live at home. Uh, there was a lot of earthquakes. Um, Philadelphia was the really a missionary city of Greek culture. And you can see, is the map still up there? Oh, could, can you just go back to the map, if you don't mind? The, there, there we go. And, and so you see Philadelphia is sort of, over on the east side of this little area of Asia Minor. And it was, apparently it was a sort of a jumping off point where people would go to spread Greek culture, Greek philosophy, Greek, philosophy, uh, Greek politics. That's when, uh, you know, um, you know mod not modern, but that, that's when democracy actually kind of started out where people had a voice and so forth. And so it, Philadelphia was a, like a, a Greek a sort of jumping off point to, Anglo, uh, to not anglicize, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, 
Okay, I don't have it written down. But the diffusion of Greek language and Greek letters. Okay. Okay, we'll just move right along here. And, of course, in that area, there's uh, really, because of the volcanic act activity, they had really good crops of grapes. And so that was a center of wine. And so they had a god, a Greek god, called, um, the Roman name for it was Bacchus. And it was sort of like the party city. Okay, so there was a lot of debauchery and drinking and so forth. Um, and then the new name. Okay, so they had this major earthquake. And the Tiberius, uh, which, who was uh, the Caesar at the time, uh, generously donated money f to rebuild the city. And so the name they decided, the people of Philadelphia decided to rename their city. And they, they called it Neo Caesarea, which is New Caesar and their new Caesar's city. And that was the name that they chose. And then time went on, and the whole thing happened again, and a different uh, Caesar was in power at that time, Vespas Vespasian, and his family name was, was Flavius, and so they called the, they called the city uh, Flavia, and uh, that didn't last. So then they called it Philadelphia again. So the name was changed. This is all brilliant stuff that I'm telling you about. You, you might think, what does he keep saying that for? Because I want to talk about how brilliant Jesus is when he talks, when he says these things in this portion. So we're going to walk through this portion. I'm going to make a few comments throughout uh, the reading, and then we're going to get into the actual message that I believe God has for us in this. Are you ready? For Jesus is the smartest guy in the room. You know, I, I, as opposed to knowing things, which he does, he knows everything because he's om, om, omniscient. But he's also the smartest guy in the room. He figures it out. He knows how to talk to you and me at our level, and he knew how to talk to Philadelphia at their level. And so here it is. This is a message from the one who is holy and true and the one who has the key of David. And we're, going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about this momentarily here. Holy is the context in which Jesus lives. Holy means separated from and separated unto. And so we, when, we're, when we're holy, when we're commanded to be holy, uh, it's separated from the world. And, you know, the, 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 uh, the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and the, the, lust, the, the, the lust for things, the uh, greed that's all around us in the, in the world, separated from that, separated unto God. That's the context from which Jesus lives. And he's the one who is true. That's his character. He's trustworthy. When he says something, you can believe it. He's, he's got morals. Uh, he, he's, he's just like an awesome, he's the kind of person that he's kind of like the kind of good person that people want to be like is Jesus. He's true. And he has the key and these keys, he has, we know he has the keys of hell, hell and death. And, um, and he has a, a lot of other keys and he, he has keys to doors. In fact, he is the door and he has keys of the doors. And it says this, that he has a key of David, and what he opens, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. And so he's 
got this power. He's got this control. And he says to the people of, Philipp of Philadelphia, he says, I know all the things you do, and I've opened the door for you. I've opened the door for you. Now, that refers back to the fact that Philadelphia was this missionary uh, city of, this is the word I was looking for, Hellenistic culture. Okay? And so this, this missionary sort of city for Hellenism became a missionary city, and Jesus says, I've got door, I've opened the door for you. I've opened the door for this church to be a missionary church. And so the gospel could spread north and east out of Philadelphia, and that's exactly what happened. The Lord opened a door of opportunity. This door is a, is a theme that's throughout the scriptures. The door, uh, Jesus himself is the door, and he says, I've opened a door of opportunity for you. And that is our message today. We'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, so he says, you have little strength, yet you have obeyed my word and did not deny me. And I was thinking about Gideon and what the angel said to Gideon back in the day. And he says, you know, you want me to save Israel? And I don't, I'm, I'm not very good at this stuff. And, and the angel said to Gideon, go in the strength that you have. And you, Jesus says to Philip, uh, Philadelphia, you have a little strength. I got a door for you. And he's saying to you and me, you know, you got a little strength, and I want you to use it, and I want you to use this door. All right. Verse 9, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews, but they are not. He's not calling the Jewish people or the Jewish religion anything to do with Satan. He's saying those who are actually not Jewish, not following the Jewish religion, not being true to their call. Those are the ones she's talking about. They will, uh, and he says, they are going to come and bow down at your feet. Your enemies, the people that are trying to mess, up, mess with you, they are going to find uh, that they have to admit the truth that you're actually doing well. Verse 10, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Just a few years later, after this was written, some of the worst, excuse me, some of the worst persecution, some of the worst times that came upon the church in history happened. And apparently, Philadelphia, for some reason, it, they, it didn't happen in their in their, in their world. It happened to some of the other churches in this, in this series that we're talking about, but not to them. Uh, not that they always escaped. Uh, they, they were, you know, under Roman uh, occupation as well, and so uh, there was issues, but they apparently they escaped the worst. And this is what, and sorry, I'm going to come back here to verse, uh, verse 11. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. Verse 12, all who are victorious will become pillars. Remember the pillars? They can understand this. They've seen the pillars. They've experienced the pillars. And Jesus is saying, anyone who overcomes, I, I'm going to make you a pillar, in the, but not in the pagan temple. 
I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Hallelujah. And they will never have to leave it because there's no shaking there. There's no tremors there. They don't have to leave uh, to wait for things to settle down and then come back. They can stay safely in the temple of the living God. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be uh, citizens in the city of my God. And that is the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. I want to talk just very briefly about this, because a lot of times people, when you start thinking about the new Jerusalem and the heavenly Jerusalem, you think, first of all, you think future. But in Hebrews, it says, you have come to Mount Zion. You have come to the city of the living God. Uh, uh, you've, you've come there to, uh, you know, you can, you can read that. Uh, you've come to Mount Zion, the city of God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to countless angels of uh, thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You've come to the assembly of God's firstborn. We are already in the spiritual realm, which, as you know, is more important than the natural. We have already come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Then you read the description of the heavenly Jerusalem that came down from heaven in Revelation chapter 20 uh, to 22. And I think you've read it, you've heard about, anyone heard of streets of gold? That's where it comes from. But I want to tell you a secret about understanding the Bible. And that is when you read the Bible and if the Bible explains something, that's the meaning. I know this is not rocket science, but it's almost simple enough for me to understand. When you have the Bible explaining something, you have to take that as the real meaning. And the angel who was talking to John, and he said, look, I want to show you something, okay? In the vision about the holy city coming down from heaven, the angel said to John, I want to show you, and he didn't say, I'm going to show you heaven. He said, what did he say? He said, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. What's that? That's the church. That is not future heaven. And then he said, it's the funniest thing. We think, oh, we're going to have actual streets of gold. And well, you know what? If we do, I won't be disappointed. But it's not gold like we know it because pure gold isn't clear as glass. And the gold in the city was clear as glass. So let's not, let's not put our... 21st century money, money culture into this too much. And we realize this is a spiritual thing. It talks about purity, pure paths to walk on, and all those kinds of things. The angel explained what the city is. But anyways, God says you're going to be a pillar. Have you ever heard the expression, boy, he's a pillar in the house of God? This is where it comes from. This is where it comes from. All right. And so he says this, I'm going to write on them my new name. Ever heard of a new name for Philadelphia? Neo Caesarea and whatever, the, Flavia. And it's, now it's Philadelphia again. I'm going to write them a new name. I got a new name written down in glory. You know that old song? God says, I'm going to give them a new name. And anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the Spirit has to say. Hallelujah. This is good so far, isn't it? So now uh, let's come back to the, the message here where Jesus said, listen, I've got a door for you. I hope Jesus is calling. 
I have an open door for you. Verse 7 and 8. Let's just look at this, and then we're going to close the message, all right? And this is for you and for me. Verse 7 and 8. This is the message from the one who's holy and true, the one who has the key of David. And when he opens, no one can close. And when he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I've opened the door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you've obeyed my word and did not deny me. So first of all, there's, there's the one who really is the door is talking about the door. And we're like Jesus, the Bible says, he says, listen, I'm the door of the sheep. If you, don't, if you don't come through me to the Father, then you're a thief and a robber. And so there's a door for each one of us here in this room and watching online. There's a door who is Jesus, and he's the only way to the Father. You know, there's many ways to Jesus, but there's only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. Some of us, uh, like myself, I was sort of born and brought up in the church. Uh, my, my mother uh, came into my room when I was in preschool, uh, uh, preschool age or kindergarten age, I forget, somewhere in there. And, and literally, my mother led me in a prayer to receive Christ. And that's one way to come in to, to the door, to the door and through the door into the, the Father's presence. Others... You know, my, my wife came to Christ as a teenager, and, and, you know, it was dramatic, and there was all kinds of people that knew her, and she was, in, you know, influential. I wasn't very influential when I came to Christ. She really was, because she was in, I think, grade 10, was it? And, and so others, you know, they've been, maybe some of you were saved as a 20, in your 20s or 30s. Others, uh, like, like my father-in-law, he came to Christ, uh, as as a hospital patient, just on his really on his last days and, and weeks, and uh, he came to Christ and and so there's many ways to come to Christ, but there's only one way to the Father, only one way to be saved, and there's no other name given among men given among men that that shall be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. And I I implore you, I I I ask you to if you've never walked through that door. If you've never come through the door, Jesus, into the Father's presence, I want to urge you to seek him and open your heart to him and receive Jesus Christ. Amen. And he says, listen, I've got the key, and i got a door for you. And Jesus opens the door. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this, When I came to the city of Troas to preach, the good news of Christ, the Lord opened the door of opportunity for me. This is Paul talking about a place that he went called Troas, and, and there was a door of opportunity. And there's a, a place of influence, and there's a way to fulfill your destiny, and there's a door for you. Jesus has a door for each and every one of us. And uh, we are to live with purpose. In Philippians, Paul said this, I, I want to grasp the reason that God grasped me. Now, when I was a young boy, God grasped me. When, you know, when God came into your life, he drew you unto himself by the Holy Spirit. He grabbed a hold of you. But there's a reason that he grabbed a hold of you, and he has a place and a purpose and a plan and, a, and really a ministry 
for each and every one of us. And so go through the door who is Jesus and go through the door that Jesus has opened for you. Now, maybe you feel like, well, I really don't have much of a door left. Well, let me tell you, there are some wonderful things that God has for you to accomplish. Fulfill your mission. Jesus said this, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Go, maybe you feel like, well, I'm pretty weak. You know, I have to tell you something. As, as a, a, a person who's been in ministry for quite some time, I'm starting to understand more and more how to glory in my weakness. And, uh, you know, if, if I'm tired, I, I still have a little strength. <laughs> if I'm old, I still have a little strength. And I, my wife thinks I'm pretty old, and she's not that far, a little ways behind me. But you know what? God has, God has a place for you, even if you feel like, oh, man, I'm pretty weak. You, you and I, we can glory in our weaknesses because by God's grace and through his strength, we are able to fulfill our destiny. Go with the strength that you have. In fact, if you go to that story where that scripture comes from, which is Gideon in the book of Judges, he had this massive army, and God says, that you got way too much strength here. i got to knock you down a little few notches. And if you know the story, he ended up with 300 men facing a multitude, and they were able, because of the miracle of God's strength, they were able to have that victory. And, uh, you know, the Bible calls the church a number of things, including the city of God, including Mount Zion. But also there's another sort of way that God describes the church, and that is a body. And, uh, you know, my, my cousin, uh, she was just in the hospital this week. She had uh, kidney stones. I, I know for a fact, I can just, I, I just know, and including me, most of us in this room have not thought about our kidney recently. But it's really quite important. And it has a function. And I don't want to talk about it because it's kind of, you know, whatever. But, but really, the parts of the body, and you're part of the body of Christ. If you've received Christ, he's put you into his body for a purpose. And that purpose, it really needs to function well. Or, or like everything stops. Right? Anybody, anybody with me? The parts of your body need to function. Or do you want me to start describing it? <laughs> TMI. <laughs> the parts of the body have to function. And I have some ideas. I just have some thoughts about you and I, how, how we can kind of get started. If you don't really know, what am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to function? What's my part? Where's my door? Door number three. Go through that door. But anyway, the first thing that we can do, and that is pray. We say all I can do is pray, and that's actually the first thing we can do is pray. Your prayers matter. Your prayers count. You can pray. Now, when we have our daily sort of quiet time and quote-unquote do our devotions, we have to make sure it's not all about asking Jesus for stuff or things or even helping people. We need to spend time with him. Prayer can be this conversation 
with Jesus Christ and this relationship building time with him to have that kind of prayer but then all of us can be intercessors I want to hear some intercessors shouting hallelujah come on we can all intercede what is that what is being an intercessor that is praying for somebody else outside of yourself we can pray for our country we can pray you know what I I have a challenge for me and you but mostly for me and that is this complaining about the government if I complain about the government for five minutes I need to pray for ten for the government okay if you complain about the preacher for three minutes you need to pray for him for six minutes okay come on we it because our prayers make a difference it matters and some of you you know some of you are are a little older than me and you find it hard to get around and you feel like you don't have a lot of strength here's some strength that you have because your prayers matter and your prayers count you can take someone's hand you can take someone's hand and you can pray for them in the name of Jesus and if you don't want to do that because you don't think they'll want you to do that you can pray for them from a distance and if someone says you know what I don't feel too good you know what you can do you can ask can I can I pray for you and you know what I found most people say yeah please believers or not believers somehow people like to be prayed for you know maybe you feel like I don't have a lot to give well there's a great story in the Bible about a woman who gave her just a penny the equivalent of a, of a penny and you know whatever you know you you can give something we can give something well my 25 cents won't matter well it does in God's sight anyway God can multiply it but also com- kind of combined with everybody else you can do that you can tithe you can do 10% uh, that's what the word tithe means someone said to me well I want to you know I just want to tithe five percent well that's very generous but that's not what tithing is tithing literally means tenth just just saying any hallelujahs out there you know you can you can get a batch of cookies for six dollars you can give ingredients you can give Mia six dollars and she can make them into 24 cookies isn't that something that's amazing can't get that at Starbucks we can do we can pray we can give we can do you know you can volunteer at living room store you can save the world by that because they're all their money goes to missions you can stack a chair uh, you can take cookies to a neighbor um, and then you could go you can go uh, you can pray for God to send forth you know workers into the harvest you can tell people about Jesus. You can lay hands on people. There's all kinds of things that we can do kind of to get moving, and then God will direct us, okay? So that's the thing. The door, who is Jesus, said, listen, I got the keys, and I got a door for you. And you and I, we need to, just like Philadelphia had a door. They had a door that went into all of what is now Turkey. And... Uh, the, all of all of Asia and they had that door there and we also have our door we have our neighbors we have our associates your Facebook friends you know what you can bless your Facebook friends and if you if you don't think you know what you can do to you know share the gospel with them at least what we can do is like and share the life church Facebook messages 
You can do that just with a punch of a couple of buttons. Anyway, I love you all. God bless you. I don't know how to stop this, so I'm just going <laughs> to turn it over. Let's give Pastor Mike a hand this morning for that great word. I don't know. I was so encouraged by that idea is you have a little strength. Didn't that encourage you this morning? You have a little strength. And I was just talking to Pastor Mike this week about this idea that what we boast in is the Lord. We don't boast in ourselves. We boast in him. And he's given us a little strength. So all we can do is give back to him the little that he's given us. And when we do that, God will multiply it and God will grow it. Amen.